0: Lavish fantasies. he had come to see the implacability of his own expectations as the only defense against the terrors he felt. It worked pretty well most of the time. He was relentless, and the people of the town respected that, feared it, even. Now the train was late. Around him, on the platform, the people of his town walked and watched and waited, trying to look casual as though their waiting had some purpose other than watching Ralph Truett wait for a train that was late. They exchanged little jokes. They laughed. They spoke quietly out of respect for what they knew to be Ralph Truitt's failure. The train was late. They felt the snow in the air. They knew the blizzard would soon begin. Just as there was a day every spring when the women of the town, as though by some secret signal, appeared in their summer dresses before the first heat was felt, there was as well a day when winter showed the knife before the first laceration. This was the day, October 17th, 1907, four o'clock and almost dark. They all, each one, kept one eye on the weather and one eye on Ralph. Waiting, they watched Ralph wait, exchanging glances every time Ralph checked his silver watch. The train was late. Serve him right, some thought, mostly the men. Some, mostly the women, thought kinder thoughts. Maybe they thought, After all these years. Ralph knew they talked about him, knew their feelings for him, complicated as they were, were spoken aloud the moment he had passed, tipping his hat with the civility he struggled so hard to show the world day after day. He could see it in their eyes. He had seen it every day of his life. The chatter of deference. The inevitable snicker at what they all knew of his past. Sometimes there was a whispered kindness because there was something about Ralph even still, that could stir a sympathetic heart. The trick, Ralph knew, is not to give in. Not to hunch your shoulders in the cold or stamp your feet or blow warm breath into cold palms. The trick is to relax into the cold, except that it had come and would stay a long time. To lean into it as you might lean into a warm spring wind. The trick was to become part of it, so that you didn't end a back-breaking day in the cold with rigid, aching shoulders and red hands. Some things you escape, he thought. Most things you don't, certainly not the cold. You don't escape the things mostly bad that just happen to you. The loss of love, the disappointment, the terrible whip of tragedy. So Ralph stood implacable, chest out, oblivious to the cold, hardened to the gossip, his eyes fixed on the train tracks, wasting away in the distance. He was hopeful, amazed that he was hoping, hoping that he looked all right, not too old or too stupid or too unforgiving, hoping that the turmoil of his soul, his hopeless solitude, was for just this hour before the snow fell and shut them all in, invisible. He had meant to be a good man. And he was not a bad man. He had taught himself not to want after his first wanting and losing. Now he wanted something, and his desire startled and enraged him. Dressing in his house before he came to the train station, Ralph had caught sight of his face in one of the mirrors. The sight had shocked him. Shocking to see what grief and condescension had done to his face, so many years of hatred and rage and regret. In the house before coming here, he had busied his hands with the collar button and the knot of his necktie. He did these things every morning, the fixing and adjusting, the strict attentions of a fastidious man. But until he had looked in the mirror and seen his own anxious hope, he had not imagined at any step of this foolish enterprise that the moment would actually come and he would not, at the last, be able to stand it. But that's what had occurred to him looking at his collapsed face in the spidery glass. He could not stand it, this wrenching coming to life again. For all these years, he had endured the death, the hideous embarrassment. He had kept on against every instinct in his heart. He had kept on getting up and going to town and eating and running his father's businesses and taking on the weight which he inevitably took on, no matter how he tried to avoid it, of these people's lives. He had always assumed his face sent a single signal. Everything is all right. Everything is fine. Nothing is wrong. But this morning, in the